we still very, very, very much live in a culture that will demonize and belittle and and try and demean people who are enjoying their bodies and their own autonomy and their own ability to do the things that they want to do that make them feel good. Um, and my general philosophy is always like, if you're if you are not bringing harm to other people and you are enjoying yourself, the world is literally on fire. Enjoy yours. Like, do the yeah. thing that brings you some joy in a world that is actively trying to remove that joy from your life. All right. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Sex Positivity Unfiltered, where we talk about sex and we are not polite about it. And today we are having a frank conversation about queer sex with special guest Eric. And I have known Eric, for, I've known you for, gosh, 14 years now, yeah, yeah. Um, a long time. And so I want to just give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell all of us who you are. And, and you're also a podcaster. So please tell us about your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Eric Crumrine. I use he, they pronouns. Um, and I, my podcast that I do outside of, uh, I guess, talking about sex with folks is, um, it's called the Queer XP, and it is a tabletop gaming uh, queer podcast. We do actual plays of queer indie tabletop games. Um, I think by the time this episode releases, we'll have just started season two. So awesome. we'll be in the middle of our spooky season, which is going to be super fun and playing lots of very spooky tabletop games. Okay. Oh, well, wow. that's so amazing. I, I really had no idea that you had a podcast at all. And now I'm learning that about you and we'll have to tune in, we'll have to tune in and check that out. Um, I've got to say, I love the hat. Like my wife oh. is in love right now. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, I mean, well, I guess we'll just jump right into it. And, you know, first of all, we're so glad you're here because I just feel like sex in general, but especially gay sex and and queerness and all the above is things that people shy away from talking about. And so mm -hmm. I don't want to shy away from it. I want to get right into it um, and hear, you know, firsthand feedback from you. And so my question, my first question for you is when did you know you're, you were gay and what was your experience coming to terms with that reality with, with yourself, but also with friends and family? Yeah. What was your queer awakening? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, Josh Hartnett played a large. <laughs> hey, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Um, no. So, I mean, I, I came out in, in high school. So I was, I want to say I was like 16 or 17 when I like, when I, and then coming out, I feel like whenever someone says like, when did you come out? What does that look like? The answer, like the real answer is like, well, I started at this point and I continue to come out every day and people that I meet and you're kind of always gauging that, especially in 2023, like sadly, like our culture in the world is very much like I don't know how someone's going to respond to different things now especially depending on where in the country I go like I'm in Boston so I'm a little bit more fortunate in that regard um but still still a game that we play these days and so I started coming out in high school uh came out to myself first which was you know what I think growing up in rural Ohio that's a very challenging space to navigate um and without doing like because I could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about like just the coming out yeah story <laughs> um but came out to myself first uh told some friends like a like a small group of friends at first that to kind of gauge like how is this going to go and honestly that that took work like it took effort because nobody at that point really knew anybody who was queer in any way and so even just having one one person was now like a new experience for everybody um 
friends eventually got there. Um, family was generally okay. It was one of those tricky things was like, I was more amped up about how bad it was going to go than it ended up going. Like I was mm-hmm. fortunate in that regard. Um, and then from there it was, I, by, by the time I got to senior prom, like I took a guy to prom with me. And so it, which in rural Ohio, all the implications like that a, you can- Like a yeah. bold move. Yeah. 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 Um, I was really good friends with the the star quarterback from the football team. And somehow that shielded me from a lot of things. Cause he was like that one person who was like good at everything. So he was like good at football. He was in the, he was in choir. He was in the musicals. He like did everything. And so everyone kind of liked him. Um, and I found out after prom that like when we people were, people were upset that I was there with somebody, but like, he basically said, if you like to get to him, you have to go through me and everyone backed off. Wow. Uh, so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was, I, I had a fortunate overall experience. Um, I don't think it was easy to go through. I don't think it's ever easy to go through. And the one thing I, I talk about with folks is like, even if things go well, you still have to reconcile in your brain. Like, what if it doesn't? And like, you internally live through the idea of like, if my family disowns me, this is how I'll respond. Cause like, you have to be ready for that. Yeah. And so even when it goes well, I think it still has its mark. Like it still leaves its lasting impressions on you because you have to mentally go through some of those spaces. Yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine. Cause you're right. You, it's like this negative anticipation just in case, like to mm-hmm. kind of protect myself if it doesn't go well, Denise, what, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about like your coming out story. Like oh. what was your, actually, experience? no, I want to commend you man for coming out in high school. Cause I was a closet. I had a relationship. I was in a closeted relationship all through my junior, senior year. I did not come out. I would not dare. Cause I saw how they treated a lesbian um that we had I was a junior when she was no I was a sophomore when she was a senior and they I witnessed them throwing water bottles at her like the Mm -hmm. amount of bullying oh Oh, yeah the amount of bullying that I saw I was like there's no way in hell that I'm coming out here ever um so I waited until I uh graduated high school and my my partner at the time she was one year younger so she was still a senior so we went to her prom together which was Mm. a big a big accomplishment for me because I wasn't used to being out and proud and everything like that. So, yeah. And it's still, just like you said before, it is still the same. Uh, I'm wearing rainbow today because today is actually Dallas Pride. So, you oh, know, nice. happy Pride. Um, <laughs> so anytime there's a Pride parade, I tried to put on my rainbow and do, you know, just kind of represent out in public, even if I'm not going. And there is still walking into to Chipotle today. I still felt like that anxiety you get whenever yeah. like you're sporting. Okay, here I'm flashing my rainbow. I know a lot of people don't like to, uh, see me be proud I don't know how better to say that but yeah they don't like me to flash it too much right um well and we're like you're in Boston you know we're in Texas and like Dallas is pretty I guess like Dallas County is pretty progressive as far as like being in Texas goes but at the same time it's not like I can be in Dallas and still feel homophobia sometimes or you know what I mean like I feel like our state is very conservative to the extreme and so it is no matter how progressive we might be I've still like as a as a straight person I can still feel that so I can't imagine you know yeah and like and I think like I mean like Boston is not shielded from any of that right like I have Mm -hmm. friends who do drag here in Boston that like are doing children's story hours or just hosting events that are 
being protested. Like we've had literal Nazis showing up to people's events here. Like, like I, like I, I would be remiss if I didn't be like, it, just because I live in a liberal city and because I'm somewhere that seems more progressive, like shit still happens. And like uh-huh. people, like, it's not great. Like I, a good, someone who does uh, episodes of my podcast with me was doing a children's story hour. And like, she literally posted footage of like, like swastika Nazi where like, marching outside of her event um and she was i mean she was able to navigate it and she was able to like still have the event and the kids were okay and all of that but like i mean it's it's a lived reality i think regardless of where you are in this country right now what's crazy to me about that is like i even i feel like my straight friends if they had a kid that was just in that environment i would feel more um i would want to protect them more from the nazi memorabilia mm-hmm. than i would want from the drag queen which is you 100 percent yeah absolutely it goes on that people don't see it that way but people really don't see it that way yeah. i'm um, like and people are, people are really quick to be like oh a children's story hour let's like roll up with 100 nazis but like i sing with the boston gay men's chorus and we did our entire june concerts and like we've done our shows and like never a peep and it's like oh well when there's 250 of us on a stage with like a thousand person venue it gets quiet but like you'll you'll go when there's 20 families and children um you know like and then you think in the name of protecting children right in the name of protecting children Uh. which yeah, well, I mean, good point. I guess you, yeah, I guess you're right. No matter where you are, you're really not shielded from it. So it's it's just really, I don't know, scary to me. Yeah. Did yeah. did it take you? I'm I'm curious, like as far as, uh, just when you knew you were gay and and accepting that for yourself, was it difficult to let that be okay for yourself, or did it take you a long time, or was it relatively? easy i'm just curious oh it was i mean it was a nightmare like it was like it was like there's no reason like i grew up um i grew up in the church and had a gen like generally kind of conservative energy around everything that we were and i'm like yeah it was 100 percent one of those things where it's like you were given that space of the thing that you might be taking like that might be toiling around in your brain of like i don't think i'm like everybody else and i think i might be this other thing um the messaging was always like that's bad and like that's wrong and you're sinning and like you need to ask for forgiveness like i remember going to like the you know christian retreat whatever's or the bike like the the there was like a christian rock festival that we went to every summer because that's what you do in rural ohio (laughs) but like i remember going to those and like maybe not externally being emotional in front of everybody but like internally like being very emotional about like oh god like everything that these people are saying is about me and the struggle that I'm going through right now and I'm going in the wrong direction and I need to figure out how to course correct that. But, and it took probably a couple of years before I was finally able to like realize you can't course correct your identity and like, you can't course correct who you are. Yeah. Um, Did you try so, to play straight at all? Oh yeah. I dated, I, in high school, I dated a girl for two years. Um, And it was like, and at that point, like, I think it was, like, I mean, she was like, it was mostly, it was, I mean, I was like at high school and I'm like, it's high school. Like, what do we, what did we really know? <laughs> like, what did, what did I, as a sophomore in high school, what did I really know about anything? Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it was in, intentionally me being like, I must date this woman to prove to the world that I'm straight, but it was a, this is what feels like the thing that we're all supposed to be doing. And I really enjoy this person as a human being. And that 
that like friend love that you have for people that is not romantic it is not sexual it is not any of those other things um and feeling like oh i feel this way for somebody this must be what signifies that someone should be your girlfriend Mm. and so so like i i that's why we dated for for two years and i felt awful like when i came out like she was one of the first people i i told because we had broken up and and i was like so this isn't like i think this is why this wasn't working because because i don't actually like women um and i remember her initial response being like i don't want it to come back that like i turned you gay somehow and i was like no like that's not because mm-hmm. it was hard because again i was the only one in my high school and so there wasn't anything to gauge of like what that experience was like for people yeah you know as you're telling that story i think back to my first boyfriend and he's gay and and I'm sure knew at the time, but I grew up in a very small Texas town. And if I look back, no one in my school was gay, which I know that's not true, but like <laughs> living in it, it was like, no one's gay. And then it was like, not a thing. And so this first boyfriend that I have, like he's gay. And I, I didn't know that. I mean, we had broken up and then I found out later that he's gay. Um, but luckily at the time I was at a place where I could, I don't know, have a lot of empathy for him. Cause I, cause I, I would imagine just like you just said, this is what we should be doing. This is what a relationship should look like. I'm sure that's what he was thinking as well, given the environment we grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit back to the awakening. I just wanted to get a couple details or I'm just curious to be honest. Yeah. Um. So for me, just a little bit of my experience, my my queer awakening kind of started when I was a little bit younger where I would see Destiny's Child videos and I would feel some type of way. And then I discovered the L word. And then that was like a huge, huge thing where I'm like, okay, these these feelings are here. And then I obviously I, I kissed a girl for the first time. And that's when the, the light bulb just kind of went. And I was like, okay, this is, I, I remember when we, our, our lips touched literally the first thought that went into my head was now I'm a lesbian like just very (laughs) very much it clicked yeah Um, so but it took a really long time for me to be able to because I've I've known I was gay since I was five but it took me literally a decade if not more to just be okay with that and same thing so did you have did you have any um I don't know scenes or you I mean you said Josh Hartnett um um, (laughs) But I guess what was that moment? I want to know what your actual moment was like, okay, this is this is where I'm going for it. Like, where were you? How old were you? Type thing. I can't remember because I feel like I feel like it was kind of a, I, like it was like for me, it wasn't I don't think like a specific moment where I was like, this is definitely like all locking into place for me. But it was more so like we were on the cusp of the internet. So like being able to like find <laughs> I remember like I my one at one point, like I had been like popping around on like porn sites and then like my dad came in later and was like, that was where I learned about internet history, like internet browser history. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Um, <laughs> didn't know you had to erase it. Or... <laughs> didn't, didn't know that there was a thing that I needed to like worry about. And he's like, why were you clicking around on hot mail and not spelled like the letters? <laughs> Love it. And I was like, oh, like I misclicked and I just kind of ended up in this. And he's like, Eric, he's like, you were on these pages for a while. And like, I was so deep in the denial of like being able to talk about it openly. And like, I think he was marginally either trying to give me the space or also in denial a bit himself that we just like, I was like, no, like it was all a mistake. I swear. I didn't actually mean to look at like dicks everywhere. Like that's not (laughs) what I meant to do. But I remember the things that I remember were that I used to have friends that would come over and hang out. And this was back in time of what probably, I mean, even then it was pretty awful, but like, 
hyper mis like misogynistic and masculine like toxic masculinity show called the man show if anyone remembers i that remember the man show i remember my um, dad watching the man show <laughs> yeah and like um and, and it being that space where it was okay like everyone else seems to be enjoying girls jumping on trampolines like everyone seems to have that energy of like this is what people are enjoying and i remember watching being like i don't I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, this does nothing for me. I, in no way, like, am, and not that I, like, knew my friends were turned on in, like, a, like, a sexual way, but it was just, like, I didn't, I was, like, whatever they're experiencing, I'm not. Um, but then I would catch myself when, like, it would be men doing something, you know, either you're flipping through, like, the late night HBO Cinemax, you know, softcore, basically porn um, things, and you're, like, oh, like, this dude's fucking this woman and like I'm not paying attention to the woman in that moment like I'm paying attention to the man and like his dick and all of those things we're like okay maybe there's some things I need to reconcile here in my brain got it okay yeah yeah what uh I I'm also curious like I guess this you know timeline of like being on these sites and being in denial about it. Um, and then, and then coming to terms with your sexuality, what, and it, you can explain this in as much or as little detail as you want, but what was your experience, your first sexual experience with the same sex and was it a positive or negative one? Yeah, I remember, and this is always hard to chart out at this point. Cause I, um, I'm 38 now. And so trying to remember and map out the the chunk of time of like 16 to 18 yeah um but what i will say i think i do what i remember for i what i'll what i'll focus on i think is like the first time i actually like the first time i bottomed for a guy like well okay. like the, the first time like we actually had like penetrative sex and i was in like i was 17 or 18 so it was probably one of those things like looking back it was probably dicey and maybe age of consent is questionable in this moment um I don't know what Ohio's laws were at that moment because they were sometimes they were different for same-sex interactions versus heterosexual interactions and what those ages were. Mm -hmm. But um, he was in his like mid twenties, um, and we had met because <laughs> this was again rural Ohio. The only place to meet people were uh, Yahoo chat rooms for those of us that remember. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, some of those fun spaces, and we had chatted. He lived in a neighboring town, and it was like in an area where like I knew I knew people that lived in like that town and actually I knew someone like a couple people who like lived on the road that he was on um and I went over there for the first time and like you know was texting a friend being like hey just want to like let someone know where I am because yeah you know who knows how this is gonna go but like this is this is how we have to navigate this because there wasn't other options for having sex even um, when you're the only one that's out in your high school, you don't have a lot of luxury of choice. And like, and like, I would, I mean, I, it wasn't like I was just like trolling at the bottom of the barrel being like, oh, like you're 97 years old and don't have any teeth. Like, <laughs> yes, let's go. Um, but it was very much like this was a person who was showing some interest and was attractive. And so I remember going over um, and kind of going through the whole process. Like, you know, he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yes, like I like, literally why i'm here like i'm, I'm ready um, like i'm ready um i'm looking back and we'll talk about this a bit later but i was like looking back i'm like was i actually like ready ready because i don't know if i was like i just showed up like i had taken a quick shower beforehand and i showed up and in 
2023 myself is looking back and like, oh girl, you should have probably been a little more prepared for that moment. <laughs> um, but again, like, and I know this isn't the questions that you, you have down the line, but like, I didn't know how to properly prepare for having sex in that way. Um, no, and they never, and you're right. It is, it is something we'll continue talking about, but that is so interesting. You say that because no one's talking about it. No one's teaching it. No one's, and even like, like, I know for me, you know, my sex education, super minimal, but it was still very heteronormative. It was like, mm -hmm. it's a vagina sex is all you really heard about. So yeah, if there's anything outside of that, I can imagine, you know, teenage you being like, <laughs> I took a shower. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show up. I know, like, I know that I know that there should be a condom involved and that's about all that I know. Uh, um, and like, cause again, I mean, it, it outside of like, you're saying outside of like, you know, penis, vagina, condoms, because otherwise you're going to have a baby, but you only should have be, be having sex to have a baby anyways. So, which is always the weird messaging. Like they spend all this time talking about, like briefly talking about condoms and things like, but don't have kids outside of marriage. And you're like, all right, like, I don't. Oh, uh, the weird is it's so fucking weird and religion is tied into it. And it's just, uh, it's just a whole weird thing. That's part of the sex positive movement that I'm learning and I'm really enjoying is the fact that they preach proper sex education, right? And the mm -hmm. fact that it's supposed to be inclusive. So I'm curious, A, uh, where did you grow up? Like what state region? Uh, it was rural Ohio, not too far okay. from like uh, Cedar Point area. Okay. Um, so like, I mean, my town population was like a thousand people when I was Got growing you. up. Okay. Um, and what was your actual formal, um, sex education, like in school? Like how old were you? I, I remember, I remember in like, it was like sixth grade. We had some, I remember like we had some educate, like, but it was very, um, again, it was a lot of like, if you had like, it almost, what was that? Was it Mean Girls where they did it? Where it's like, if you have sex, you will get chlamydia and you will die. <laughs> okay. Do not have sex. Some rubbers. Um, There's like a tub going around. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and like, I mean, and they focus, I think, a lot more on like the puberty aspect of it and like your body right. going through changes and hormones and these things. Um, but I, and even at that point, like, I don't, I've, I can't remember what all we actually, and I know for like the next couple of years, it was like in like health class, it was always like a lesson for like one week where like, we kind of loosely hit on something, but it was also just like, here's pictures of somebody with genital warts. You don't want to get genital warts, do you? Um, so it was it was weird messaging. And then even later when I like I had come out and it was all the like, you, you know, don't have sex until you're married. I was like, well, legally, I can't get married in this country, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I can have sex anyways, because I'm already I'm already going to hell by your standards. Speaking of the genital warts, God, I re I remember a family friend of ours. I was like probably, I don't know, 13, 14, maybe. Like I hadn't had sex at that point. And I didn't even really know like what it was. It was like this thing that I heard about, but I was like, I don't really know like what that looks like, even at 13, 14. But I remember this family friend telling us that she had a friend who had sex with someone, got herpes, and will never have sex again because of it. Like said it like, well, her sex life is over. She'll never have it again. And for years, I mean, literally years, I, I walked around like terrified. Like if I get herpes, my sex life is fucked. It's over. Mm -hmm. And now what I know now, I'm like, wow, that is a very extreme thing to say. A lot of misinformation out and, there. And, and at that time, like there wasn't, at least for me, there wasn't ways to confirm or deny information you were getting, right? Like nowadays, 
you know, a 13 year old gets information about sex or gets inf- like, you know, gets told like, if you get herpes, you're done and you'll never have sex ever again. And it literally just takes like a Google search. Yeah. To be like, Will herpes kill my sex life? And it's like, no herpes, like this is treatable. You could do this, you could do this. But like when I was growing up, like the only place you had to get information from was what they told you in school and the like awkward conversation you have with your parents at some point about like the birds and the bees, which I'd rather just had it from the school than like have my mother sit me down with the book and be like, all right, so. <laughs> oh, you guys sat down with a book. Wow. I, there was a, I mean, my, like they didn't know how to navigate the conversation. It was all very awkward. I bet like, all I remember is that I was just very uncomfortable the entire time and being like, I don't know why we're talking about any of this right now. Like. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what, what do you think, like in your opinion, speaking of sex education, mm-hmm. um, what do you think needs to be included in in like a, in a comprehensive, you know, queer affirming education lens? What do you think it needs to include that is not currently included? Yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, like I don't like I guess in today's settings, I don't fully know where like what the state of sex education look, looks like. Like I don't have kids, and I don't know. Like I know like some people who have kids in schools, but I. Um, I will say in Texas, it is abstinence only teaching. Like I have a friend of mine mm-hmm. who is a, who is a science teacher to high school students. And I guess she, in her school, like she's the one who's over, you know, like the two weeks of sex education, but the school gives her a script and it's basically mm-hmm. abstinence only teaching. And she risks getting fired if she goes off of that script. And so like when students have questions or I guess the way she does it is she'll tell her students, she's like, so this is all I can teach you. But if you ask a question, then I can't not answer it. You know, so, I mean, it's just, that's kind of the, at least that's how it is here. And it's probably like that in a lot of, it's probably like that in a lot of states. Yes. It's very abstinence based. Yeah. I mean, and I think at this point, like there's so much, there's so much more we know about now than we knew and that we even had access to when, when I was growing up and going through all this, that like, I mean, we at this point, like I think the data shows like abstinence only programs are ineffective, right? Like mm-hmm. people are gonna have sex. And like what abstinence only ends up doing is creating spaces where then people end up pregnant or people end up getting contracting an STD because they didn't know about the things that they could actually do to prevent those things from happening. It's the same, I mean, it's similar like with how people deal with alcohol. Like we tell them like, don't drink. And then they go out and get hammered one night, like they might find themselves in the hospital. They might find them. Like I worked on a college, I work on college campuses and like, I've seen freshmen who like come in and just like let loose because they didn't know. And I think it's, it's for me, I think the approach of talking about sex with folks needs to come from like a risk reduction lens. Right. So talking about here's here, if you engage in this activity, here are the things that, that may happen. Here's the things that may not happen. And here's ways to mitigate the risk of some of these things happening. So pregnancy can happen. Here's how to mitigate some of those things. Here's the things that don't work because people don't know things. And they're like, oh, well, if I just pull out at the last possible second, she definitely won't get pregnant. Um, And then that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, or they do pull out, but she still gets pregnant or whatever. And so I think approaching everything with that lens of like, risk reduction and and the sex positivity side of it of like this is it's not something people should be scared of yeah um but i think that's going to be in in 2023 america i don't think most places are ready to have those kinds of conversations which means no one's going to get that education until they go to college at a college that would embrace that kind of 
teaching, which many do. Um, I remember that was where I had like my first like real sex education when it came to queer sex was like at our college, we brought in like cure health educators to like, and they brought in like, they brought in toys, they brought in condoms, they brought in lubes. I saw dental dams, like they had everything. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, then, and like, that was the first time I was like, oh, and even there, they still didn't cover everything, but like they did more than I had ever seen before. Hey. Yeah, and I I wish like when I think of what I wish sex education was, I wish we just did a better job of even defining what sex is because the definition of penis and vagina intercourse is exactly what keeps education so limited because that's not what sex is. It's not just that, right? right? Especially for for queer folks. I mean, there's more to sex than penis and vagina intercourse. Um, mm-hmm. and it it would be nice to even be aware of that because I think of um, uh, I think this is like within the Mormon community. Have you heard of soaking? Yes, I, I've heard of it. And I, I know that I'm not going to remember exactly what it is, but I know that I've heard of it. I haven't. So explain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Soaking is, so the guy is in the girl, is in the girl, but they just don't move. It's like, as long as there's not like thrusting, it's not really intercourse. So it's not really sex. So there's no risk of like STD or pregnancy. And so they're just inside and like not moving, which sounds so fucking stupid. Like to imagine, (laughs) well, we're not having sex, so it's okay. Um, And that's what I mean by like, if we don't define all the things that sex is, then people are going around doing stuff like soaking, thinking I'm in the clear. There's no risk. There's no, and I'm like, oh boy, it's, it's, yeah. Go ahead. I was just like, also there's just like a a level of like enjoyability from that. Like if you're literally just like not moving in any capacity, (laughs) like that's, that just feels, you're like, what are, what are we doing here? Like well, you're not, you're the, not. Yeah. What's the point? This isn't fun. So why are we doing this? It's like, like you uh, get the pleasure from the friction of the movement. So, I mean, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, from the perspective of young Eric, like teenager mm-hmm. Eric, what, what would have been something that they could have shared with you or what would have been something in your sex education that either parent or even formal um, that they could have said that would have helped your development? Um, I think, I mean, I think a lot of it is just that, that broader explanation of like what, like what sex is, the different ways in which people can have sex. Um, you know, I think that there's levels of things that like a school's never going to get to like a conversation about douching. Like they're never going to get to that. Like if you're a gay man and you're going to bottom, here's how to properly make sure that you do this in a way that is going to be, you know, appropriate. And like, that's, I feel like it's just a level that you're not going to tell 16 year olds, how to do that i mean maybe maybe one day they'll have that conversation for kids about that but like those like it's all those little things like you just don't know until like you're in the moment um but i think the biggest things being you know just the different ways in which sex can occur again and what are what are you know risk factors like and and giving people the ability to make informed decisions about how am I, how do i want to engage in in sexual activity knowing all the things that i know um, and, and what that, what that looks like. Yeah. That's something I always am wondering. I don't have kids either, but I'm always thinking of what do age appropriate conversations look like? Um, uh, because you know, like the conversation about like douching to a 16 year old part of me is like, that might be a great conversation to have because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're at that age where teenagers are having sex. And yep. I think if we 
try to pretend that they're not, you know, we miss all the, all that important stuff. So. Yeah. And the, the wild thing is the, the show, the show called sex education with, uh, Jillian Anderson is like the, she's like a sex therapist. And then her kid like goes off to like do sex therapy with the school. That's, I think one of the very few places I've ever seen an actual scene and conversation about douching in like media because like the kids are all trying to figure out how to do it and like some exchange student who's like try like is like this artsy super cool person is like oh I can teach you all about this and they literally like go through like the steps of it with these kids and it was hilarious but also like it's really sad that like a Netflix comedy has more insightful information about sex well, and they, the, I, I've not seen sex education, sadly, and it's like on my, on my to watch eventually list, but they consult with sex educators and sex mm-hmm. therapists. And I actually, I did a, I had an interview like a few months back with someone who was like, who was like one of the sex educators who's a consultant on that show. And mm-hmm. that, that's just so smart. It's like, if you're going to write a show about it, you know, what a way to get that information from from the experts so right yeah awesome. very cool that's how i feel about big mouth too i think they're covering topics that you know i yep. wish i would have had in school and not just about sex but even just your puberty and how your body's changing and things like yeah. that they, they were much more detailed than you ever get in a classroom setting like that show has some of the best descriptions of like depression and ocd and like just like all sorts of things that like for as like raunchy and crass as that show is, which it is, <laughs> like the the stuff that they're able to get to and talk about is wild and like all in the best ways possible. No, I love it. I love it. So um, just kind of going forward now throughout yep. your life. So now uh, was there whenever you actually started diving deep into the gay community and really started dating and having sex, um, mm-hmm. were there any misconceptions anything that you found that you're like you you thought about it thought about going into it one way but you know flipped um I feel like there's things that like I don't know if, I don't know if there's like any like specific things where it's like I I went into it thinking one thing and kind of came out thinking other like specifically differently I think for me the big thing was always just like I I think I kind of approach a lot of it of like, I just don't know what I don't know. And like learning what you, I think maybe part of it is like learning what you like or don't like. And like, you know, I know some of this is coming down the line in some of the questions, but like figuring out like, do I enjoy being a top more? Do I enjoy bottoming more? Do I enjoy both? What are like, what are other aspects of, of non-penetrative sex that I, I really enjoy? Um, you know, and even some of the more um, like, the personality you bring to the to the space like do I tend to be more of a dominant personality when it comes to sex do I tend to be more submissive in different ways or does it depend on the person or the like the situation um and so I think for me was just a lot of exploring and kind of being open to like what what was out there and seeing what kinds of things I could kind of learn about myself and I think a lot I mean a lot through undergrad it was very like we were all still very like, I still don't fully know what all I should be doing. I know I have condoms and I know I have lube. And those are the two things that <laughs> I, two more things that I had when I was in high school in terms of knowledge. Um, but I, I think there was still a lot of like, just that openness to explore, which I think is one of the things that I've always appreciated about kind of queerness as it relates to sex, which is kind of just this 
exploring yourself and being open to some more of that the the conversations are open to more of just trying things um because i think for a lot of people when i forget forget if it was a comedian that i was like maybe margaret cho might have talked about it but it was like if you are like belittled and demeaned and thought less of because of all these different things that people just assume that you're doing like if you're gonna assume that i'm doing them then i'm gonna go do them and enjoy them (laughs) you might as well right Right. like if, if you're gonna call me all sorts of nasty things and tell me that i'm going to hell because i'm taking it up the ass well like cool, let's go, let me go take it up the ass because (laughs) if I'm already going to hell anyways and you're going to say all this about me anyhow, I might as well be enjoying myself while it's all happening, right? Like, I'm not going to stop you from saying these things. Fuck it, like, let's, like, let's see what I, like, let's see what the big fuss is. Oh, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, speaking of, like, exploring and figuring out what you like, that was one of the questions I had for you as far as like top bottom or versatile or verse. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, let me give you some preface of like why I'm asking this question because in yeah. my, like as a sex therapist, I see a lot of couples and I have, I do have some queer couples, but I do work more with more straight couples. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm asking this from like a straight lens, but as far as like being open and exploring, yeah. um, I have lots of partners that are very, sexually anxious and everything has to be exactly right. And I only do these things. And this is the only thing I, I mean, they're very like boxed in. So when we talk about exploring, you know, I've had clients where it takes a lot of time and, and guidance and empathy to get them to like open up a little bit. And so my, my question about, you know, top bottom verse is, do you feel like anyone ever gets caught in the box of I'm a top, I'm a bottom instead of just being, here's my preference, but I'm also open. Yeah. I just didn't know if you thought people got boxed in. I mean, I think, I think definitely people get, I think, I think there's a couple layers here, right? I think there are people who do get boxed in who like, maybe they, they tend to bottom more often or they tend to top more often because either like for topic, I mean, and, and again, I know these are some other things coming down the line in conversation, but like when you're engaging in sex to be a top is a little bit easier than to be a bottom just because of what it goes into like make sure you're kind of in the right space physically to do that um so like if someone's texting me and is like hey do you want to come over and fuck me i'm like yeah i can be there in 10 like let me just like maybe rinse off real quick i'm good um whereas if someone texts me and is like hey i want to fuck you can you come over i'd be like "Mm, do you have 45 minutes to an hour (laughs) that i can like make sure i'm right and like then I can be over and like, sometimes it's a matter of that happens and then you get to the 45 minute mark and you're like, all right, I'm about to head over. And they're like, mm, I'm not feeling it. Um, so I think that there are ways that folks, when they engage in certain behavior or certain activities that I think people can sometimes box them in. And if you talk about bottoming once and suddenly everybody's like, oh, well, you're only a bottom. And you're like, I mean, no, like, do I greatly enjoy it? Ah, like, do I also top? Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think the the other side of it is I do think that there are folks who find great comfort in being on one of those sides and have learned that that is their their comfort space and that's what they enjoy. And especially especially for bottoming, I think there are people who like have tried it before and just it's not been comfortable or it may not have gone well or it, for them physically, it just might be more challenging. Hmm. Um, and especially depending on on your partner and what they what they're what they're bringing to the table will say um because sometimes that can be hindering too like if your top shows up and they're like nine inches and girthy you're like well 
Yeah, well, I will I will do my best uh-huh. and I will see how <laughs> this goes. Um so yeah, I think there's a little bit of 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 some people getting boxed in and there's been more conversation these days also around uh what people refer to as like being a, a side. Um meaning they don't they don't particularly enjoy anal intercourse in any capacity um and would much rather focus on on the foreplay or oral or other things but never actually want to engage in like penetrative sex um and i think that's a big thing that is a challenge for a lot of folks too right now is like when someone says like i don't want to have penetrative sex you're like but why like i don't understand um i think that's been an ongoing conversation that has been rolling out that i think is really good and productive but again i think it's challenging because it boxes people in different ways yeah, yeah I, from my perspective, as far as like in the lesbian community, we definitely I I definitely see just like in any community heterosexual too. there are people have boundaries and mm-hmm. they have no problem. And, you know, um, ex- after they've done some exploration and sharing those boundaries. But then at the same time, yeah, like you said, there's times where they a lot of people are just stuck on the labels. And this is my label. This is how I am. This is we're not going past here. So I feel like it's the same in the heterosexual community as it is in the queer community with just boundaries labels and it's kind of like how do you define a boundary versus like rigidity you know uh yeah so oh go go ahead uh as but just as a lesbian because this is a combo that's way out of my left field um you said 45 minutes if you decide to bottom so now i have two questions really a what (laughs) okay so what is gay man sex just in general um because you said some people don't do the penetrative uh, mm-hmm. thing. So in, there's a lot of ambi- ambiguity in lesbian community. Even we can't um, describe what lesbian sex is. It's not like uniform across the board. So what for you, what is gay sex? Yeah, and I, and I mentioned this at the very beginning of, of the recording, but I'll say it now as we're asking this question. Like I will, I will say that I speak from my own experience and that there are a lot of people who approach all of this in very different ways and have different definitions which is also what it makes makes it more challenging i know people will joke about when you like talk about dating apps and like people talk about grinder and it's like one of the default questions is like what are you into or like it'll just be like into question mark um but like i find i don't know i find those questions helpful for me when i'm when i'm talking to someone to understand um not maybe necessarily like okay so when you arrive you will kiss me at the door and then we will do this and we will do this and we will do this but it's a good conversation for me of like, okay, so like, what are the things that you tend to be more into? What are the things that maybe don't work for you? If we're kind of swapping some lists, we see some common spaces and like, it gives us a starting point to figure out where we go from there. Um, but I think for me, I don't know, I think defining what gay sex is or how I define sex for myself, I think a lot of times it's being physical with another person um, who is uh, more often either male, male identifying or, or at this point, like non, non-binary or gender non-conforming, but, you know, maybe presents more masculine or pre- presents in ways or engages in ways that, um, I am attracted to. And so I think it's, it's that, cause I've, I, I could go hook up with somebody, come back and be like, oh my God, like we had sex and people are like, okay, like who fucked you? And I'm like, well, this time nobody fucked anybody. Like it wasn't penetrative sex. Like you know, we, we fooled around and there was some oral or there was some, you know, jerking each other off. Um, I went and hooked up with people and like, nobody came, but it was still sex. Like we still had a good time. Um, but like, we just got to a point where we were like, you know, I'm kind of, it's been 
an hour and a half. I'm kind of good. Yeah. Um, also, you know, in 2023, there's there's also the added layer of, uh, you know, depression and anxiety being skyrocketing through a lot of folks and, you know, wonderful SSRIs not always being conducive to being able to reach a conclusion when it comes <laughs> to an orgasm. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think there's different ways where it's like, sometimes you just hit a point of, I'm kind of good. I, I love that you're that statement of like, it was still sex. I, I love it because, um, and again, like I'm going back through my, my framework of work and working with couples and I'm going to talk about like erectile dysfunction really quickly. Mm-hmm. When I have clients that have, or struggle to get an erection, sex is totally off the table, which is like, which is, it's surprising because why, do, why do all the things have to stop <laughs> just because there's not an erection for the purpose of intercourse at play and people mm-hmm. won't define people. I've had clients who, when I asked them, well, I'm like, so that does that mean that you did that you've been doing nothing? Well, we, we've been doing some stuff, but we, we haven't been having sex and they'll be having oral sex and still not define that. They're like, but we're still not having sex. You know, so there's this whole there's this whole umbrella where I love what you said. It is still sex, whether there's an orgasm, whether there's intercourse. I mean, yeah. why not? Well, and I think on the other side of it, like if I'm fooling around with some guy and someone's going to be, you know, yelling at me about having sex with other people, you know, sex with men or whatever else, like they're going to yell at me for that just as much as they're going to yell at me about having like penetrative anal sex. Like I'm still going to get. Yeah, they're still going to label it that way on me. And for me. And again, I think it's that that range of it's it's more about the person that you're with and like the experience that you're going to have together and and what that means for both of you. Um, sometimes you both come, sometimes maybe only one of you does, maybe both, maybe neither of you do, but like you're still doing all sorts of things. And I always laugh when people are like, oral sex doesn't count as sex. I'm like, can you say the first two words again? Yeah. And they're like, they're like oral, oral sex. sex. I'm like, mm-hmm. what was that second word you said? And then they just stare at you and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, accurate. Actually, that's one of the reasons that I asked that question uh, specifically is because I've seen in the past where two, um, especially queer women, two or not queer women, two women, two women engage in sex, uh, a sexual experience. And if one identifies as straight, a lot of times that experience doesn't count to her at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas the queer person, the person actually who identifies as queer, that was a sexual experience. Like that's what they would consider sex. So I've seen it to where like it was a coming out type sexual experience into the queer person that was literally their coming out story that was the first time they ever had sex and unfortunately because of the partner that they identify as straight they discount that experience completely which is you know kind of sad (laughs) yeah how how uh, I am curious speaking like 45 minutes to get ready to bottom how do you how do you prepare to be a bottom yeah yeah I saw the I saw the question on the list I was like oh this is gonna be fun um (laughs) So I think that there's, what I'll say is I think two kind of different things that that I do, but also I know that other folks will do as well. I know that one for folks is trying to kind of be mindful of your own digestion and your own kind of how you day to day, like what kinds of things are you taking in? I know a lot of my friends, myself included, will do fiber supplements just to help keep your digest- digestive tract kind of moving and flowing and doing what it needs to do. Um, but then when it comes to like, actually getting ready to to go have sex with somebody and if i know that i'm if i know that i'm going to be bottoming it sometimes even if i'm not but like um i know it was also another question on your list but like if i if i expect they're going to be some sort of anal play um like if someone someone's really down in like really into rimming or other things where i'm like 
I'm still, I still might go through the process because I want to just kind of make sure that like, it's a good experience for all of us. Um, but it, it, I mean, it, it involves douching. So it's like, I've got like this little bulb thing that has a little like, I don't know, like a thing on the end of it that you fill the bulb up with water, put the thing in your butt, let all the water get up in there and then sit on the toilet and let it all do its thing. Um, and then, and realistically I say, I say 45 minutes, um, because I mean, sometimes it just depends on what's all in your body at any given moment. Sometimes, sometimes you can, you know, you could do that process and be ready in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, I know for some folks, the, like the fiber supplements can sometimes be really helpful with that. Cause it keeps everything kind of, again, keeps everything kind of moving and keeps you, mm. um, I guess the best way to describe it is like kind of keeps you clean on the inside. Um, but depending on what you've eaten over the course of the day, what you've, what you've been doing, um, you know, it could just take longer for, um, the phrase is always like when the water runs clear, like that's what you're looking for when the water runs clear. Okay. Um, but like it, it, and every, and I think the hard part is like everyone's bodies are different and like how your own internal organs process things and do things is just different. And so sometimes it's, and again, that can be some of the discomfort for people. They may not want to bottom because that is not always the most pleasant experience to have to deal with. Um, and so, but yeah, it, it, you know, doing all of that, you know, doing a full shower, making sure that you're, you know, kind of all together and ready to go for when somebody, you know, somebody is putting their, their tongue on your butthole. You're like, I don't, I want to make sure that I've done everything I can, that it's in a good spot. Um, so do, so do you like rim jobs? Is that something I love that them? I love okay. them so much. Like yeah. that's, I'll talk to people and they're like, like, I've talked to people who like, will want me to top for them. But they're like, but like, I want to, I want to rim you. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, let's, let's fucking go. <laughs> like, let's do let's it. <laughs> um, but and I, I do think some of that comes from like the, I think there's a bit, obviously, because all the sex education that we get is narrowly defined for straight people. And, you know, no, they're not going to ever tell a straight man, like, let someone play with your butt. Um, because like, you know, that's a whole power dynamic and sexism and all those other fun things. But like, there's stuff in there that makes you feel good. Like you have a prostate, like you have spots in there that feel really good if somebody is doing something to you in that way. Um, so I think there's a lot of that, that like, it feels good. Yeah. Um, and, a, and a lot of straight men are so afraid that if they like, but play, it means they're gay. There is oh, like, 100%. they're like, oh my God, it's going to mean, and it's like, well, no, <laughs> you don't have to do that with another man, you know, you right. enjoy it. Right. Like it, it should be more about the, like the person that you're with and what you're engaging in and what that, like what that looks like. And that, and um, I know this was on your list, but I know one, one thing that is, I think comes up within the queer community, especially amongst uh, I'll say like speaking from my experience with, with mostly queer men is conversations around like trans men and engaging in sex with somebody who doesn't have a penis. And what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you know, your own identity and all these things. And everyone will be like, oh, I can't do that because like, that's, you know, I don't, I, I always get so miffed when people are like, especially, well, when I say people, when gay men are like, oh, vaginas, you know, like they're so gross. I'm like, stop, like first you're in your thirties, stop it. <laughs> um, But like second, like there's an entire population within our community that have vaginas that are also looking to have sex with men and identity like our men presents yeah. as men and I know that was one that like the first like the first time I hooked up with somebody who was a trans guy I was like I don't I don't know I, 
I've no one has ever taught me what I'm supposed to do, what feels good, you know. And I think for me, when I'm when I'm having sex with somebody, my my default is always to kind of play around and figure out what gets them like what seems to get them excited or what gets them going and then like hone in on that and like I was like all right I guess that's what we got to do because I don't this is all very foreign to me but but good on you for being open and even like having the conversation because I I was just thinking um something you said earlier like if someone's coming over and kind of asking them questions like what are they like what are they more into or if it's someone who does have a vagina like what what would you like me to do I'm, I'm new here um straight people don't have those conversations. I know I'm speaking from my personal experience, but I can safely assume they're not having those conversations. Like any, like I think back to, I mean, I, I would like my husband, I would now, but I'm talking about like when you first, you know, have sex with someone, I don't think I've ever had that conversation with anyone. Really? Never, never. And I, and it's not that I was like necessarily afraid, but it's just kind of this unspoken rule of like, well, what's there to talk about? You know what to right. do, right? It's well, a- and we, and especially with with stereotyping heterosexual couples, it's very much like, like he's not going to go down on you, but like he's probably going to expect you to go down on him. Yes, and then he's going to put like, his and he's going to yeah. put his penis into your vagina, and like that's that's the formula, like that's all we do. Meanwhile, I feel like I'm on apps talking to people and like being like, all right, so like, what are you into? Like, okay, this, 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 and this. Okay, like, do you have any kinks? Do you want like what are your hard? I look like what are your hard stops? Like where the where do you draw the line? Because you know you don't want to be surprised and like show up somewhere and someone's like, "Ooh, I'm really into piss play." And you're like, "Ah, that's <laughs> one of my boundaries." Yeah, but like, yeah. I I mean I feel like I know more about people's sexual proclivities than sometimes I know their actual name. <laughs> like, I've hooked up with people that I could tell you everything about what turns this person on and off. And then if you're like, and what's their name? I'd be like, blowjob69. I don't know. It's It was on Grinder. I didn't catch yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I actually really do want to go into the subject because your community is very different from my community where my my, <laughs> my community, um, to, uh, to be honest, sex is actually Netflix and chill. Like that's, and it's literally the actual Netflix and chilling part. It's the cuddling mm-hmm. part. That's usually what we do. We it, it takes actually usually a very long time for like one night stands are not part of our are not a typical stereotypical part of our community it's mm-hmm. usually it takes a lot of a a lot of a what, what would you call it? bonding bonding yeah um type thing so in the gay community is it very common for you guys to just purely have a sexual experience only like relationship a sexual relationship? yeah and i would say i think i think i will i don't want to like i don't want to paint like huge broad strokes i would say I definitely know a number of my friends who I have friends that are, you know, maybe a little bit more in terms of like some of that, like they don't, you know, hookup culture isn't for them. They're not as open to some of those experiences, but I do, I do think there's a level of, you know, again, I mean, I don't know if it's like a hormones thing, like, you know, we just have more like, you know, I want to, I want to have sex with somebody kind of energy. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but I can, yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a number of friends that like, it's, that's that's part of the culture. I mean, I'm assuming that's why we have as many different apps and websites and such things to to find sex um, versus perhaps the lesbian community, which doesn't have as many, if any, like that are solely specific about just hooking up. Um, and even some of our some of ours try to have pretenses, like Grinder for the longest time tried to have a pretense of like, oh, like this is a dating app and you can meet people and like. <laughs> 
And they only recently added like, what are you looking for? And like added like hooking up as an actual option with it. And that was literally within, I think the last month. Wow. Um, it used to just, so it used to say looking for right now. Um, but they finally like changed the language to like actually say it. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, we definitely have, I think a lot more of that is probably pronounced in within queer men and 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 our community than I'm sure than straight like I'm sure straight men are trying to achieve what we're doing. Um. Well, I think I think the difference is, and again, this is from my personal experience and I guess my view of the world, like with and I, and I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but when I think of an app like Grinder and you go into mm -hmm. it like you're gonna hook up. There, there still has to be this like level of respect with someone you're hooking up with. I know for me as a straight woman, a lot of straight men don't fucking respect me. Like when I was on the apps and they wanted to hook up, it was not like, hey, you're hot and I'm hot and we are attracted to each other and we should have sex. It'd be this great experience. The vibe was very much like, I want to fuck you. And so you need to do that for me. And I don't know. Oh, I mean, that, that, that definitely exists for us too. Like I definitely get um, those where it's like, like, I want to fuck you. You'd be lucky to have me. And I'm like, mm, am I? Yeah. <laughs> like, is, is that, is that real? Um, I think that, I mean, I think that I, I've been painting my own experience with a lot of this, like perhaps rose colored glasses. I think there, there, there is a lot of toxicity on, on apps in, in the hookup culture, in all of those spaces. I think, I think for me, it's about finding people within those spaces that are, are operating at the same space that you are whatever yeah. that space is um, and, and finding the people that are respectful and that want to enjoy themselves and want to have a good time and recognizing that there's probably, that there are a lot of people that, that don't for, for different reasons. Um, you know, and you're, you know, you do the thing where you're like talking with somebody and you do the, the picture swapping where it's like, all right, like let's send our nudes back and forth. And then like, you know, the number of people I know where it's like, you send nudes back and forth and then the person blocks you as soon as they see your like full body and you're like, Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. My body uh, image is my body image is doing great today. Uh, great, great, great. Um, so like I mean, all like all of that stuff happens on on apps and on spaces as well. And I know a lot of people who need to like disconnect from things and take time away from them because it can be not the best experience. And I'll say I know for like people of color, especially like being on apps is oftentimes a very like trying experience because it's either people not wanting you because of your skin, your skin color or people fetishizing you because of your skin color and then trying to find that spot in the middle where it's people that genuinely just want to like hook up with you as a person um, can be a lot harder to navigate. And that like, for me being a, you know, white, ma you know, masculine presenting person, that's I think a very different experience for me than for other people that, that are in the same app or on the same, the same websites. Yeah. Speaking of all of this, of like, of, you know, being on the apps and finding people to hook up with and being in your community and even going back to, um, you know, when we were talking about like teenage you and trying to figure, <laughs> trying to figure everything out. Um, and, and you may have already kind of answered this a little bit, but I'm just mm -hmm. curious, has being a gay man had an impact on your mental health? And if so, what's, what, what would you say the impact has been? I mean, the, the the very short answer is yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Um, but I I think at different points it's it's it can be different things, right? Like we talked about like going through coming out and being a high schooler and like while it was never articulated, like 
the mental the toll that was taking on on my own mental health at that time of like again having to think about and live through in your brain the experience of like okay what if I tell my my mom that I'm gay and she kicks me out the house right like having to operate in those spaces and not really having any space and or having even supports of like other queer people to be like hey (laughs) like if I get kicked out where am I going what am I doing um so I think that you know, that chunk of my life was, was a lot of that. I think there's also been, I mean, body image is a huge thing within, within queer circles. And I think that's probably true across multiple of the, of the alphabet soup, right? Like I'm sure, I'm sure within the lesbian community that there's body image in different ways than it is for, for maybe gay men. Um, but like all of that still exists. And I think it, it has the ability to take a toll on you. And I think as much as, you know, there's definitely times that I'm like, you know, I think, I think I'm going to just pause on chatting on apps. Or I'm going to pause on doing some different things. Um, you know, the, the past week or so, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of like, you know, sending a message, sending photos, and then like the person being like, Oh, never mind. Um, mm-hmm. Or like, you know, and I think that that has the ability to take a toll on you. And I think at the same time, like that's where I start trying to build, like I've got, um, I think one of the, one of the things that I love about being gay is our openness to things of like, people in open relationships or people that are exploring poly polyamorous um, relationships as well. And I think I have a, a really wonderful group of friends that also at times are people that I sleep with um, that are in open relationships or poly relationships where it's like, I might have, you know, a group of friends over one night to play board games. And then the next night, you know, one of them comes over, their husband's off doing something else. And like the two of us are getting naked in my bedroom and like, there's something refreshing about like, this is a person that I know and we don't necessarily have like romantic feelings towards each other, but like I get to enjoy the act of sex and and have it with my friend um, and then turn around and invite everybody back over the next weekend for, you know, just hanging out in a completely non-sexual way. Um, so I think there's some of that too, that when I'm like, the apps are kind of not being great. There, there are people that I'm still getting certain needs and things that I want met in different ways but without having to navigate all of the hoops and loops and everything that you go through when you're trying to be on an app of some sort i love it actually that's that was ridiculously relatable because i I too feel (laughs) the same thing one thing that i think is very much a benefit about being proud of being queer just being accepting of you know your uh queer identity is Mm -hmm. the fact that you no longer have to subscribe to what is considered normal appropriate boundaries you know that little box and it just yeah like you said it it makes it to where you have an openness to explore anything sexual you have an openness to not follow traditions like on a wedding you have like you just have that ability to it doesn't matter what society says because I'm already wrong in society's Mm -hmm. you know uh viewpoint so I'm just gonna do me and we're gonna figure that out the that way and I I absolutely love that portion but yeah. it did take me a really long time to get there to where I was able to not care about tradition if that makes sense oh yeah and that I mean that I think that's always the biggest thing too where it's like people are like you know and I, and I think there's always levels of like I don't you know I don't go into work and talk about like oh yeah like my you know this friend of mine came over and like we hooked up and then like you know, their partner and I all went out to dinner afterwards kind of thing. Like, I don't think we, we necessarily like, I don't like talk about it in some of those settings, but I do think there is such a vibe of like, you all have spent so much time telling me that I'm like breaking all these norms, like, and people being like, oh, like this is not what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, I don't like, I 
literally don't care. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I literally, I have gone to a wedding before where like I met the grooms because we had a three way. (laughs) And like, we nearly had a three way over their wedding weekend. Like we, I think there was like, it's almost like, right. Like it's, it's such a different culture I think that really embraces all of those things that we were told we weren't supposed to do. We weren't supposed to be, we weren't supposed to have. Um, and, and, you know, I think in, in undergrad when people would always, you know, talk to people about being gay or whatever. And you always got the question, like, if you could take a pill and be straight again, like, would you, would you give it all up? Like, would you change? And like, at the time when you're like ashamed of yourself, you're like, maybe nowadays I'm like, no, I've heard all the things that you talk about. Like, that's boring. <laughs> like I want to, like, <laughs> I like a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I like I went to an orgy at somebody's house like and I love gay people because I went to this orgy and they literally had a bag check in their little like foyer when you walked into the apartment like they handed you a brown paper bag. You put all your stuff in it. They left all the bags in the kitchen. They had condoms, poppers, lubes all over their apartment, porn playing on all the televisions. Oh, that sounds like fun. OK. And I, and I was like. I literally, I literally left and I texted one of my friends and I was like, I love gay people. Like, I just love us <laughs> so much because like, it was, it was just such a fun space of like, we were not confined by this idea of what, what you're supposed to do. Um, and it was, and that one was nice. Cause like, I think there was a lot of it, the diversity of it. I thought was kind of, was also kind of nice where like, there was a lot of different body types, a lot of different, um, it wasn't just a bunch of like ripped white dudes. Like it was yeah oh an actual welcoming space for a lot of different people um which again not always the norm and not always the case but it was just one of those things where like again i just walked out and i was like i literally just went to someone's house and they handed me a bag like i did a bag check <laughs> well it's not it sounds very safe like emotionally safe too like like there's trust there and it just just seems like a very like you said welcoming like like i know i'm gonna be okay here and have a lot of fun yeah and if you and, and they were like if at any point you want to leave like feel free like we've got they literally they're like we have water all over like they're like little like their little like wine bar thing was like full of like bottled waters that you could just grab like it was just such a like it was it felt ridiculous a little bit at the time but you're like this is just so refreshing of like i that someone would do this and like trust about like there was probably 40 of us in this like apartment like and i wasn't worried about my stuff being stolen i wasn't worried about like how people were interacting and like and sure like while you're walking around like there might have been some people who like maybe you didn't take to you, like you walked over to like initiate something and they kind of like, "Mm." but like everything was done in a way where it wasn't like, no one was like, oh, you're disgusting. Don't touch me. But it was just kind of like, you got the vibe from the person of like, I'm into you. I'm not into you. And if they weren't, you just, there were 38 other people. You could, you could, you know. That sounds like a very safe space, which is what I love. Yeah. Yeah. Are are there any, I don't know, toys or types of lubrication that you, recommend just to anyone who's who's listening in that I don't know make can make sex an even more enjoyable experience I mean I I guess speaking from like my own my own lens and and making the assumption that if this is you know two two men that are engaging in in sex together um I mean lubes are always tricky right and I think there's there's parts where being in 2023 there's there's a lot more I think openness and um conversations around condoms or or not using condoms um, which also then makes a big difference on what kind of lubes you might be able yeah. to use, right? Like, cause water-based lubricants are what you should be using for condoms. Um, but like, you know, uh, 
I mean, I've shared enough about myself. So I'm like, I'm on, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm on prep. So that means I'm take, I take a pill every day. Um, that greatly reduces my risk of contracting HIV. Um, I also, now there's a newer thing that's rolling out, um, called doxypep, which is kind of a low grade, um, uh, dosage that it's chlamydia. I think it's chlamydia and gonorrhea. Um, that like, if you were to get one of those things, like this, they would normally give you a higher dosage of this, but now I literally have a, a pill bottle on my, literally next to my computer right here, um, <laughs> that after I engage in a sexual encounter within three days, if I take two of these pills, it greatly reduces the risk that if I was exposed to certain STIs, I will not contract them. Okay. Um, so, which is a brand new, like literally I just was at my doctor's maybe a couple weeks ago. Um, and like, he was like, oh, he's like, I know you're sexually active. Let me get you on doxypep because this is super important. And, you know, you have it available to you now, um, because it's, that's a thing that we can do. I, yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. I'm like learning something new hearing this. <laughs> uh, and, and it's, I mean, so and this cool. is very much like, I think I've only started hearing about this maybe within the past, like three months. And the, the healthcare facility that I go to is very queer operated. And so it's it's known for being like a premier LGBTQ space. So I'm not surprised that like they're rolling something out there that like doesn't pop up in other places yet. Um, but so for me, with all that to be said, I don't always use condoms. Um, depends on the conversation with a partner and what their comfort levels and what they want to use and all of those things. Um, but if you're not using condoms, oil-based lubricant is infinitely better for in my in my experience of using it for someone to be inside of me, like it's, it, it just works better for me. Um, and then I would say, I think for toys, I think a lot of those are about figuring out, you know, what, it was like what your goals are, but like what you're trying to, to work towards. Cause if yeah. you're trying to bottom more and be better at that, than like finding some dildos or, or other, like, or even like, anal plugs that you can just put in and, and have kind of help that experience, you know, give you that experience of something being there um, to try and open you up a little bit more. If you're, if you're trying to do some of that, um, if, you know, if you're in, I remember when COVID hit and I was like, well, I'm not having sex for like six months at this point. Like I went on a, a buying spree, <laughs> um, you know, I now have like, I have a fleshlight, which is basically like, that's for, um, like if you're going to, if you wanted to top in some capacity, it's basically just this like large shaft thing that has a hole at the front of it that looks like an asshole and like you lube it up and, um, but I've got those, I've got dildos, I've got vibrators. Um, I literally went on a spending spree because I was like, when, you know, March, 2020 hit and they're like, don't, don't touch another human being. <laughs> um, I was like, like, I can have sex with myself for a while. So I was like, I was like, I can only jerk off so many times on my own. <laughs> Like I need, I need something else. Um, but I bet I do think a lot of it is trial and error almost, which it's expensive to buy things that maybe don't work for you. But I think trying, and I would like start small, like start small. Like if you're like, I want to try bottoming, I'm going to buy this like 10 inch dildo. That's, you know, the girth of my forearm. Like it's not going to go well. Like, it's not going to be a good time for you. Um, and there's nothing wrong with like grabbing smaller sizes of things and trying to work your way up towards what you're looking for. Um, and yeah, and I think it's always hard because you don't always have like physical stores to go to and you have to rely on the internet for figuring out what that what that is or where, what you want. Um, which again, when it shows up at your door, you're like, oh, apparently I've been lying about what six inches is my whole life. <laughs> this is... <laughs> No, 
that's all very good advice. I love it. And you and I hear you about the the oil-based lubricants. Um, it's just more moisturizing. I don't know. I hear you on this. Yeah. Like the, I feel like the the best way I can describe it is like the water one feels like it almost gets like a little sticky after a little bit. Like it it feels after you're using it for a little bit, like it just doesn't quite have that slickness that like an oil base does. Because like yeah, the water, a lot of the water like soaks into your skin, but not all of it. So that it yeah. is kind of like whatever's left is a little sticky. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm the contrary opinion here. I actually prefer the water-based. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I also think some of that might also come into like, again, what folks are trying to do and, and what what your own body is able to do. Whereas like where I'm putting things, it might be a little bit more like I need a little extra, a little more. <laughs> um versus per perhaps where you're putting things you might have some spaces where you're kind of generating some of your own lubricant in different ways um that might work better with the the water than perhaps mm -hmm. it does with the oil based yeah yeah i think that that's actually a really good point that's probably why um so i want to get really back my really delicate way of being like i put stuff <laughs> up my ass and you put stuff in your vagina and those are different <laughs> things <laughs> But I want to get back to the error part of the trial and error because yeah. you did say how um, your first time you may not have been ready. Um, so mm -hmm. I go into that a little bit more. Like what what were oh, you? Oh, that was meaning like I hadn't I didn't douche. Like I didn't I didn't know about douching. I hadn't douched. Um, I think most of my college years, like I that wasn't a conversation that anyone had with me and like told me like this is what you need to do in order to like properly have anals. I. When did I, I'm trying to remember when I first started actually douching. It was a, like, this is embarrassing because like it's been like, it was, I went through much of my adult life without having done it. Like I was also like in a very, I was in a committed relationship for many, many years with like a singular person and we didn't, we weren't open. We didn't have those things. So like, and he was very much the bottom in that relationship. So for me, I wasn't doing that as much for, for a good chunk of, of time. Um, but I, I, it was, yeah, it was a while before like it suddenly was like oh like I should probably be doing this a little differently um and I guess I just kind of maybe I lucked out in the, a lot of my experiences through undergrad when I did engage in being a bottom I did not run into issues um in terms and when I say issues it literally just means like you're getting shit on somebody's dick like that's like that's the big concern um and so like I don't know if it, I just was fortunate that I don't know if my body was just in in a good space where I was okay. And like, there weren't things that were getting on the condom or anything else. Um, but as I started like engaging in more sexual activity after I left my partner and, and kind of gone through some, some different things, I was like, Oh, like that might actually be a good idea. Cause I think, I think I literally just heard someone was like talking about it. Like, Oh, like I'm going to go bottom for someone. And I have to get ready. And I was like, Hmm. You seem to be doing more than I'm doing. Yeah, you're like, wait, what do you mean by <laughs> let us let us compare notes? Um, which also is the thing I love about just being gay with and having lots of gay friends is like having those conversations and like being open about like, hey, like, you know, excuse me. I was like, oh, like I was doing this thing the other day and like this felt a little bit weird. Like, oh, well, if you do it this way, it feels different. You know, like you like sit down and are able to have more of those open conversations that like straight men definitely aren't having amongst themselves, probably um being like oh dude the, the other day like you know i did this to my woman you know i did this and it felt great and, or she did this and it was great like it's i don't think it happens in like the same way um and that's stereotyping of me but that's kind of i don't know i think there's a lot of those conversations that we know that we we didn't get the education on all of it mm -hmm. so i think there's a, a more openness to like 
talk through some of that and be like, okay, so here's what you got to (laughs) do. Ain't nobody else telling you. So like, let me be the one to like walk you through it. Yeah. And was that the only, um, I guess, mistakes that you've ever made or you've encountered, you know, whether it be from your perspective or the other person? Um, I mean, I mean, I've definitely had a lot of times where like sex just didn't like go as planned. Like it just, you know, wasn't great. Didn't go well. Um, I think the, I think the other, I mean, I think the only other one is just sometimes being like, oh yeah, I can definitely handle this one. I can definitely handle you. <laughs> um, and then getting into it and being like, mm, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> definitely <laughs> cannot. Um, you're like, I want to, I really, really want to. Um, and I do, there, there was a time that I think there was somebody that like, I like, I think sometimes like you, you, you're unsure to what degree there should be some discomfort and, or even a little bit of pain, hmm. because I think there's times that like, um, I know one of the first times I like really saw queer sex on TV was the show Queer as Folk, um, from like the late nineties, early 2000 era. Um, and like, I, I mean, the pilot episode is uh, in my brain, like one of my most like iconic episodes of television because it like it, it stays with me and like literally that episode taught me what like rimming was um that episode was the first time I saw someone putting a condom on to have anal sex um and I remember like the first time I watched it one of the things is like he's this older guy is having sex with this younger guy who's never had sex before and like when he goes to slide in inside of him it like he like he says something about like does it always hurt and he says a little bit all like a little bit every time um and i think more so meaning just like you're putting you know it just takes a second for you to like maybe relax a little bit and be okay yeah you know not like it's it's supposed to hurt a ton but you know when you're in the midst of something and you're like oh this like doesn't feel super great but like i want i if i just like you know relax or whatever i'll be fine um i definitely had the instance before where like i wasn't and i i which resulted in like a small um like anal tear um, which those are like, I think those are the challenging parts where it's like, if you don't do everything well, you could have something that then you're like, oh, well now I can't bottom for like a while and I need to like mm-hmm. let myself heal. Um, there's like actual like physical part yeah. or injury. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, and it's never something I think that is like, it's not a malicious thing that somebody's like, you know, they, they fucked you so hard that like, you know, they intentionally tried to harm you. I mean, that I'm sure that happens, but I think more often than not, it's like either you you just weren't relaxed enough to like mm-hmm. do that. Maybe the lube, like I've had definitely had times where like lube wasn't good enough for like the size of the, the size that we were working with. <laughs> um, and you're like, but like there are, there are ways that if that your body and someone else's body may not mesh in some of those things. Ignorant lesbian question here mm-hmm. for both of you actually. So would you, would you guys um, say that there is like an aspect of kind of pushing through um a level of pain there because for me I get to pick the size that I want um for I for for me um maybe a tiny bit of that but it it shouldn't last too long like if I I mean I guess just like share personally I've had anal sex before I don't personally enjoy it very much um and the partner I was with at the time was getting impatient at how long it was taking me to like want him to go in a little bit further because it did mm-hmm. hurt. And so I can't tell if it was like, did I not enjoy it because I just didn't enjoy it? Or was he kind of an asshole? And I was like tired of, you know, tired of like someone being impatient with me. Like, I don't know. Um, but I know for, 
for at least like anal that it, it was pretty painful to me. So I was like, no way. But I, but if I think about like vaginal intercourse, if it hurts a little bit going in, but then, but then if I can, like, if I, if I'm able to, in my head, be like, just relax a little bit, you're okay. And then I relax and I feel fine. That would be my definition of pushing through where I think it would be mm -hmm. okay. Where I would say it wouldn't be okay is if I put, I'm telling myself, just relax, it's going to be okay. And it continues to hurt. That's what yeah. I would, that's when I would kind of be like, okay, I need stop. to, I need to stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, and, and the wild thing is that there's definitely people that like I've hooked up with before that are on the larger side and like, there's been times that I've hooked up with them and literally has not even been a thought to cross my mind. Like we just, we were doing it. Like I, I was fine. They were great. Like we all had a good time. Um, and then there's other times that, that they might try. And, you know, sometimes I do think for me, like at least with my body, I do think there might be times where like, if I'm overly stressed and you're like, you're like holding a lot of things in, mm -hmm. like you're, it's literally about, it's literally about like relaxing and like letting your body relax. And like, and if you're clenched, like nothing's going to go in. And if it does, it's not going to feel great. And so like, I think there have been times where I've just not been in the right, like sometimes I right headspace to like be able to do that. Um, I know one thing that is coming up, I think more, more in the, in the gay community is the use of poppers. Um, which uh, for folks listening or what, whatever that haven't encountered those, it's, they're just like, they're literally like little, like little jar, like little bottles. Um, you, if you Google, you can't just like buy them outright. You can't go anywhere and say, can I have poppers? You have to ask for like VHS cleaner, which is the most <laughs> hilarious thing. Um, but the, they're inhalants. And the idea is that when you do them, you get a, a little bit of a rush, but then B also certain you're like, you're literally your ass, like relax, like your, your, your whole relaxes a little bit. Um, which can then be helpful for somebody fucking you. Um, That's a good tip, actually, yeah. And like, I mean, and, and of course, like, I'm sure like medical professionals and all those things, like there's, you know, you shouldn't be doing things that are inhalants and some of that stuff. But um, I mean, I, I use them sometimes because sometimes it's just, it's helpful. Um, I know some people just use them during sex in general. Like it doesn't even have to be about anal sex. It's just sometimes that little bit of that rush that you get from them um, that, can feel good or can make things a little bit more heightened for yeah, and it's only like a few seconds it's not like it's a sustained you know hour-long feeling it's literally like 30 seconds at, at most well and it's kind of like i mean this is like a little bit of a stretch but you know people do smoke weed to help them relax and that mm -hmm. makes the sex better because i think if you're not relaxed or you're really stressed or you're really anxious like the mental piece matters a ton yeah. and and you know not even necessarily with anal sex, but with like having an orgasm, like I have, I have female clients who they might say, I don't really enjoy, um, oral sex or clitoral stimulation. I never have an orgasm. And then I find out that every time they have sex, they're super anxious and stressed and body is tight. And, you know, so it's like your partner could be doing all the amazing things, but you're not in a place to let it happen. Right. <laughs> um, so it matters a lot. Other than poppers, do you have any other tips that or that you practice that kind of help you relax that you could share with you know audience members? I mean, I at that point, I think other other than that, like my biggest thing is literally just I think mentally trying to like you know it's like deep breaths, relax, like, and I think there's a level of like how comfortable are you feeling with the person who's about to to put themselves inside of you, and like if you're not sometimes if you're not feeling it and that stresses you out, that clenches you up 
that's just as telling as like I feel like I feel super comfortable with this person. Um, I mean, this also, I mean, rimming also is a spot where like that can be super, that is super helpful for, mm. for folks. Like, um, I've had, I have had times where like people will, will rim me and do it for a long enough period of time that, uh, they haven't needed to use lube, um, for anal sex, um, between like rimming and then just like the pre-cum that they, that, that they are producing, like the two things kind of working together has not required lube at certain times. It's rare that that happens, but like those are again, like, and, and rimming and some of those things are things that are going to, they're going to potentially relax you. They're going to open you up more. They're going to, you're literally, I mean, you're literally spitting and licking on the spot. You want something to go in. So you're literally producing like some lubricant on that spot. Um, and again, sometimes you'll definitely need more, but good. Like I think the challenge is when sometimes you, especially tops, um feel like oh like we've made out for five minutes i can literally just put my dick inside of you now and you're like no 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 like you've gotta like some people yes you might be able to do that for me (laughs) that does not suffice so you need to do you need to do more okay thank you so much for coming on you you have been so amazing and insightful and open and honest and i mean it's exactly what what we were hoping that you would share so we really appreciate it um uh yeah any anything else you want to add before we close this out i mean i think the only the only like last bit is just i think there's always going to be stigma around like sex and what that means and you know i always think of that like my I always go back to like, especially with uh, movies and things where it talks about like people's like quote, like their numbers, the body, the quote body count and like mm. what those are. And like the more, you know, the the less you, the less value you have as a person, the higher that number is. Um, and like as somebody who that number is in the three digits, like I still have plenty of value. I still have plenty of worth in this world. Absolutely. Like, and, and all of that experience has brought me some wonderful tidbits that I could share on a podcast today. <laughs> I, I think remembering that because I think we still very, very, very much live in a culture that will demonize and belittle and and try and demean people who are enjoying their bodies and their own autonomy and their own ability to do the things that they want to do that make them feel good. Um, and my general philosophy is always like if you're if you are not bringing harm to other people and you are enjoying yourself, the world is literally on fire. Enjoy yours. Like, do the yeah. thing that brings you some joy in a world that is actively trying to remove that joy from your life. Um, what a great message. Yeah, I love it. Love <laughs> message it. of like, go out there and have sex, everybody. Um, but really, though. <laughs> but really. It actually is on fire. You might as well fuck yeah. and <laughs> It's like those videos of like, this shows like a meteor hitting the earth. And it's like, these are the last minutes on earth. Like, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't know. That guy? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and, and yeah. our listeners, we will have Eric's information, um, socials and also how to find his podcast and follow and, and listen to, to him as well. And, uh, again, we are sex positivity unfiltered and remember to stay curious and fuck politeness. <laughs>